Hey, what's good, fam? We appreciate you tuning in to the South City Church Podcast. It's our prayer that as you hear the better story of Jesus, you might experience more of his redemptive power in every square inch of your life. Hey, we're a church plant. We benefit greatly from outside support. So if you'd like to partner with our ministry here, you can go to southcityrva.com slash give and join us in seeing strangers made family in Christ in Richmond and beyond. God bless and shalom. And uh, I think that that's natural. And I think that it actually points us to a good thing. Um, We are in need of a better father. We are in need of a better family. And we are in need of a better home. This sense is right. You are in need of these things. And I think we're going to see that as we move forward, that we will receive these things. Um, So let's look down at verses 13 through 17. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. So once again, we see this reference to the physical to explain the spiritual. Um, There's a spatial imagery here with the far off and near language. We who were separated from God, and we all started there, because of our own sin, have been brought near, but by what means? I think it's really easy to think, to look at really hardened criminals like murderers and things like that, as we would think. and think that our works are so great that we have put ourselves in a better place to earn ourselves into uh, God's good graces. But rather, we, when you look at Scripture, you see that this is not true. In fact, me cutting someone off in traffic and screaming at them like a crazy person would be, in the eyes of God, the equivalent. All sin has earned death. The text specifically says that we were brought near by the blood of Christ. Brought. It's the atoning blood of Jesus that has brought us into close relationship with God. Not anything that we ever done or could have ever done. And we can rest assured that the promises made to Abraham by God that his descendants would be kings is ultimately fulfilled in our eternal king. Jesus, the true and better seed of God. We are brought into relationship with God the Father through God the Son, his King, and not by the blood of circumcision, but by the blood of his cross. So I know like many of us that grew up in church, um, we grew up hearing the it's a relationship cliche, you know. Um, I remember going to 
church camp in high school and the pastor telling this long elaborate story about these two teenagers going on a date and how and he would admonish the young men saying that we needed to make sure that we walked on the traffic side and we needed to make sure that we pulled their seat down we went to a non-smoking restaurant because there were still smoking restaurants back then and uh and he would use all of this to explain that this is uh how god uh treats us and he I also had this uh, pretty wild and eccentric youth pastor who used to say, I've been dating God such a long time, and he never misses my calls. <laughs> and he said it all the time, like it was, anyway. So, uh, well, well, this is a funny description. I think, uh, I think it does a good job uh, of painting the picture of closeness that we, that we do have with the Lord. Um, it is true. He's always there, and he doesn't miss a word you say. Um, and so I think it's important to remember that, you know, Jesus didn't die so that we would beg for our lives to the big scary guy in the sky, but so that we would be his beloved brothers and sisters. We're, we are his beloved. To elaborate even more on the means of our reconciliation, Verse 14 goes on to describe the breaking down of a dividing wall of hostility. The Greek can also be rendered as a, a wall of partition or like putting a hedge around something. Um, and so I think this helps us to view the old covenant community and God himself as being on the other side of this massive impassable wall. But Jesus himself destroyed that wall binding all of the church together as one and bringing us to God in him. We can look back to the temple that's been, uh, that was described in the Old Testament and we'll see a literal wall between God and his people. In the book of Exodus, God had the Israelites place a curtain or a veil between where the people were and where this, uh, this tabernacle was, which was like the physical representation of God. But in Matthew 27:51 right after Jesus dies on the cross. So right after he has given his atoning blood to the Father, it says at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to bottom. So fortunately for us, this is something that's actually a timeless truth, that Jesus died on the cross to reconcile all of us to the Father. So we're gonna return to our uh, illustration as orphans. So you go back to the house that night, fueled by the hatred for this loving father, and you break into the house and you just start taking and pillaging and stuffing things into your burglary bag. That's a, that's a tool, by the way, of the trade. Anyway, so you start stealing things and the police arrive and they place you in handcuffs. But rather than you being hauled off to jail, the father comes along and offers his own son to go to jail in your place and says that he's the one that broke into my home. He's the one that stole these things. And the loving, obedient son willingly goes to jail for you, this destitute, broken orphan. Now, we would know that everything would be revealed in only a few days that the son was innocent. Um, and then there you are, now at the table, with this son who gave himself in his place for you. 
and you're beloved by the Father. The Father gave his only Son so that your crimes would be forgiven and forgotten. Jesus willingly went to the cross for your crimes, enduring your due punishment. So remember this, you have peace with him so you can talk to God as your friend. It's good for us to be thankful to him in prayer every day um, for our reconciliation. Actually, Packer talks about how it's kind of a mark of a Christian to be thankful for the atoning death of Christ in our prayers every day. And that not reflecting on that is actually like pretty, uh, can be pretty poor on our part. Um, so we don't need to keep trying to protect what we could never lose. Our sins have been atoned for. Our death has been died by Jesus. So you were an orphan, you've been adopted, and now you've been brought into this family of God. So let's read verses 18 through 21. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So up until this point, there's been a heavy emphasis on the individual separation from God and the individual reconciliation to God. But now we move into the reconciliation between people, the horizontal reconciliation. We see this theme throughout the New Testament, um, and there's a great example in Romans. So we, though many, are one in body, or sorry, one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So we can almost think of the church as like one giant Siamese twin that's just all fused together. So looking back at our passage, verse 16 shows us that it is through the cross that the hostility between the Gentiles and Jews was destroyed. And the hostility between God and man was destroyed. John Calvin even pointed out in his commentary on Ephesians that this verse was kind of a nudge to the Jews that they are in need of the cross just like the Gentiles. Of course, as we have seen, these things are inseparable. The earlier parts of the passage emphasize the reconciliation to God, but always in the context of togetherness with other people. God's mission isn't to make converts. It's to build a community and a kingdom. Christians are not like a bunch of individual marbles jumbled together in his bag. They're branches and leaves which were intentionally created and interconnected to one another as they share in the life of the tree together. We all know that you can't have a true church without Jesus, but you also can't have the true Jesus without his church. We have access in one spirit to the Father, in what verse eight, is what verse 18 says. So all of us are bound together by the Holy Spirit. And like, just take a step back and think of how mind-blowing that is. Like, the living God dwells within our hearts and fuses us all together. The creator of the universe, the one whose providence dictates the movement of everything down to the tiniest specks of dust, 
dwells within all of us and unites us because of Jesus. And another one of the promises to Abraham is fulfilled here. He is our God and we are his people. So the text is now moving into our eternal destiny as the church with our God. If this, if this section of the passage right here where we're all getting pulled and drawn in and together, it's like if you were to depict it with an emoji, it would be the one with like half a head and there's like an explosion out the top and the mind is really blown, which is uh, one of my favorites. It's like in the top five of my emojis. Um, anyway, right next to the monocle guy. Uh, so uh, when we come to faith in Jesus, we are fellow citizens with the saints. So the Greek actually puts our citizenship, uh, I thought this was really cool, uh, puts our citizenship in like the town or the same town or locality. So like if you were to think of our citizenship as like people in Richmond, that's the same way our spiritual citizenship is. We're all from the same, we're all in the same place now. Um, There's no distinction between us in the body of believers uh, in Jesus. So Paul is telling the Ephesians that whether they are Jew or Gentile, It doesn't matter because they're equally members of the household of God. And I'll tell you, it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 40 years or 40 seconds. It doesn't matter if you're from the city or the country, if your skin is darker or lighter or in between. In Christ, we are his and we are each other's. So now going into the last two verses of this passage, Paul uses a structure to paint us a vivid picture of the church. So Paul describes the foundation of the household of God as being the apostles and the prophets. This gives a clear description of scripture being our foundation as we advance based on God speaking to us through their words. Jesus is called the cornerstone. And I know most of us aren't construction workers. I only know like one here. And uh, so I actually had to look this up myself. But a cornerstone conjoins two walls together. So Paul uses this to show the conjoining of the Gentiles and the Jews. So when we look at the finished building that Paul has painted for us, a bunch of different people have been gathered together, built on the foundations of scriptures, with Jesus Christ conjoining them together, and we are growing into the holy temple of the Lord. It's pretty awesome. So the church is where the glory of Christ is built up in holiness and is reflected back to God. It's where the imperfect people are being made perfect. We are a holy temple, a place where sacrifice of spirit and truth is made at the altar. So I would ask, these, these promises made to Abraham, these, this, these promises that he would be our God and we would be his people, these promises that we will have a promised land, that he is fulfilling in Christ. I just, I would ask if you believe those promises. Do you believe that you're not an orphan anymore? That you have been adopted by a loving God as his beloved? Do you, do you believe that God will dwell forever with you? That you will be his people and he will be your God? Do you Do you believe this morning that Christ atoned for your sins on the cross and died? And that one day, when you pass from this life into the next, you will go to the presence of Christ 
And on the last day when the resurrection happens, you will be resurrected body and soul, and you will dwell forever together with the living God in the land that he has promised. Do you believe that? This is the gospel, man. This is, this is how we are saved. It's by Jesus. And we're together in that. We do this together. So as we wrap up this morning, I, I kind of want to bring this to some application. Um, so a lot of times on Sundays after service, like we either talk to people we know really well or we just like split for the door. And I know, like, a lot of us, you know, have babies. Like, my baby's supposed to nap at 9, and she just terrorizes the nursery until, like, 10.30 <laughs> when I go get her. Those poor people. I love them. And anyway, so, uh, so I know, like, we want to get out. But even just a few minutes, I think, is uh, really awesome. So um, and s- we are God's people, and we have what matters most in common. Like, we have faith in Christ. And, like, I do it, too. Like, sometimes I just don't want to deal with my baby screaming, and I just split. And sometimes I just go talk to Seth about jiu-jitsu for, like, the rest of the day. Or I talk to Drew about barefoot shoes, because that's what people that wear barefoot shoes talk about. That's all we talk about. We just talk about barefoot shoes. Everyone should wear them. Anyway, uh, I would encourage you... uh, I would encourage everyone to spend time after service on Sundays getting to like know and catch up with people like that you don't know that well. Like almost avoid people that you know really well so that you can spend time with the people you don't know. We have to remember like this family is messy. Like we're all brothers and sisters from different places. Um, but we are brothers and sisters. And the closeness that we build together helps us to love one another better. And it also will cause pains, but it helps us to have grace with one another when we get each other all fired up and frustrated. So uh, we have to love each other because we're in this mess together. We have three things in common that we talked about today. We were orphans, we're family, and we belong together here where the Spirit dwells. So if you're in Christ, you are family. You've got older brothers and sisters who care for you and protect you and welcome you and pass you the food and show you where the table is. You have little brothers and sisters that you are responsible for caring for and protecting. So we have to look at each other as family, showing no partiality. You're neither above nor below one another. Now, if you're comparing yourself to other Christians, remember that they are your brothers and sisters who came from the same orphan state Their mess isn't worse than yours. So show yourself and them some grace. As the old hymn goes, they will know we were Christians by our love. Church, you are the glory of God reflected back at him. We are the mirror of Christ on earth. So we're going to spend eternity with God and each other. So why not start here and now? Let's pray. Father, it is a good blessing that we can even call you Father. Lord, that you have called us to be your beloved children and to be each other's beloved brothers and sisters. God, you are just so good to 
do everything through your church, Lord, that you call us into participation. You didn't have to. Lord, thank you that you show your love for us through each other. God, I pray that you would remove pains between us, Lord, that among us, those who are struggling with sinning against one another, Lord, that we would reconcile ourselves. Lord, that we would be a place where people love each other, where people on the outside can look in and see a clear difference from there in the world. Lord, I pray that we would launch forth into our week, seeking each other out, seeking to love each other and to care for each other and to spend time together. Lord, I ask that you would bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.